Welcome to episode 50. How fitting. The Jordan Bennington episode of the Stick to Hockey podcast. I like it. I like it. Sometimes things just work out. We obviously didn't get out on location, Russ, uh, for the 50th show. No, nobody nobody cared. Well, you just came in from Boston. I did. Uh, And my arms are tired. Yeah, you flew all the way. Boom, boom, boom. That is Russ Cohen. You can follow him on Twitter at Sportsology. You can uh, also check out his website, sportsology.com. I'm Jason Martinez. Although you were supposed to have a tea rate waiting for me, and I still had to bring my own. That was the deal for episode fifty. Just like you That's always, right, you always bet those sandwiches. You never pay up on that either. I have a, I do actually. I do have a tea, but it's for me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, but um, you're back from uh, Boston. Yes, we got a lot to get into here. A lot to unpack. Obviously, the Cup final. Uh, just the incredible run and story of the St. Louis Blues. Boston, the fallout there. Chara, what a courageous performance to come back with the broken jaw. Yep. Uh, and everything else. Also, some offseason stuff. Obviously, Kevin Hayes will get into. We're going to take Twitter questions. Ton to get into here on episode 50. But let's start where we obviously should start, and that's with the Cup final. Um, going into the game last night, were you expecting St. Louis, albeit a huge underdog in that game seven on the road, to go out and do what they did last night and surprise everyone and win the Cup? No, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I thought they were up against it with, with Boston because they didn't close it out at home. I didn't care about those other stats because they weren't in a game seven of a cup where stuff is a coin flip. Yeah. I I knew Jordan Bennington would show up, and I had written that, and, and that I was confident in, but I just thought the Bruins would be better, could be better. And they really weren't. Like, the Bruins were really never good in that game, and I don't want to take anything away from the Blues because they played their game to a T. But but there's a lot of stuff to unpack from that for sure. Well, the one thing is, is, you know, initially in that game, and you look at a home team in a situation like that, and you want to survive the emotion of the first ten minutes because they're they're going to be so amped up from their own home crowd and everything right. else. And the Bruins came out, but you're right, Bennington was the difference. Oh yeah, Several early on, there high was danger there was a really sneaky shot for the first save that, that most goalies. I think it was. Most goalies may not have been ready for that one, mm-hmm. and he was. And then he made that great leg save, and then it's like, then you knew, okay, he's yeah. really locked in. Yeah, but he went for the poke check on the turnover. Uh, I think it was the Pareko turnover. Yeah. And then still had the wherewithal to keep his left pad down. Yes. And gloves stacked on it. I'm like, okay, this is a guy you can tell the way like His he's leg strength is great. Uh, with the, yeah, you saw the push on the one backhand uh, rebound yeah. uh, early in that first period as well. And when you saw that, you go, oh, this guy looks like he's on, you know, he's really dialed into his game tonight. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's impressive for, I'm not going to say a young guy, but no. limited NHL experience. Limited guy NHL experience, spot. 25 years old. It's still a great story. And, and I don't think, I know somebody will write that he's a one-hit wonder, and that's not really the case. This guy can mm-hmm. play. It was just that the organization just didn't move along quick enough. Yeah, sometimes it happens. You, sometimes you're too close to a situation from an organization. Yes. You have a preconceived notion about a guy and what yeah. he is, and it takes, uh, you know, a litany of events to actually get him to the NHL, which is what happened yep. uh, in January here in Philadelphia where he shut out the Flyers and, and the run begins. You know, it's weird, though. Like, you just mentioned that. Like, uh, somebody was asking me about that. Is he going to be a great goalie for the next, you know, five, ten years? And it I just, don't know. I I think he will be. But the problem is, will it be for them? Because his contract's up in a year, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's 25, 26 years old now. Uh, so he's under that second deal. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, like he moves well. He... I, I don't He's mean, everything you need as a positional goalie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some things I don't like about his game, especially in 
the five hole. He's a little leaky at times. Yeah, and, sure. And and he's yeah. he's a steer the rebound guy, and mm-hmm. I know that makes some people nervous, but. Yeah. He did lock it down when he needed to last night. He does have a very good glove hand. Is it like an amazing glove hand? No, but it's good. Yeah, but he would, and he, anything to his glove side, he eats and then holds. Right. You know, he, he does do that. He doesn't butcher any of those. And he really, it's hard to psych him out. Like he did play a really poor game in six and he got snooty with the media. Mm hmm. But that was like the only egg he laid in the Stanley Cup. Like, yeah, he, he didn't have his best he, round, but he had his best games at the most important times. He did, and, and, he, and he could have easily won the Smythe too. Many of us thought, even mm. though O'Reilly was terrific all the way through, could they have won that game without Bennington making those saves early? Yeah. Some of the teammates said no way, but then others were like, "Well, it's a team effort." You know, they start going yeah. cliche on you, but. The honest ones yeah. were like, yeah, that really got them going. Yeah, he weathered the storm he for did. them. I mean, they, and then conversely at the other and end. Then, and then Boston just went dead on really good scoring yeah. chances. And you look at, like, you, you can't always go by volume because the quality of shots that St. Louis got on Rask, especially in the first period, I mean, he sees one shot 23 seconds in. Yeah. The next one doesn't come until 16 minutes later. Yeah. I mean, that's really, really hard for a goalie. Bruins fans online are blaming him, of course. Yeah, of course they are, but that's that's idiotic. Because it is. I, I looked at all four goals last night. Can you find fault on, for him on any of those four no, goals? No, actually, and let's talk about the second one because that yeah. that was crazy because, you know, you, we all looked at it. Jaden Schwartz got the pucks about 13.7 seconds mm-hmm. to go, and I noticed he was hustling, right? He mm-hmm. was just Going to get in the offensive zone no matter what. Flying up the right wing. Flying up the right wing. He gets there. He passes it to himself. And as that's happening, then Marshawn and maybe somebody else was going for a change. Now, we all thought that, hey, um, Schwartz looked up at the clock, knew how much time there was, and then went and made that play. And then Boston just made a bad change. No, what, what happened was Schwartz said he had no idea what the time was. He just was doing that. And but he knew that Boston was on a long offensive zone shift. Yeah. So he figured if he busted it up there, he might be able to. Now he didn't want to say catch them napping, but yeah, do but, that. And that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what happened. But now he also was honest with me and said, "Hey, Petrangelo, Petrangelo was banging his stick and asking for the puck. If he didn't do that, he wouldn't even have known he was open. Yeah. Like he wouldn't have seen him because he was in that like right right." area and yeah, was sort of blind to it, but once he heard that and heard the stick, that made that play possible, and Marshawn got killed on that, but we didn't all realize, we got to go back and look and see how long that shift was. It wasn't just like he went off with seven seconds to go in the period and that was dumb. Yeah. It was more like they were really spent. Yeah, but there is a lack of awareness there, too. There was, yeah, no question. By, by him, and and they get caught there. The other, the other problem with that goal for the Bruins is, I don't know if it was Carl or maybe it was Grizzlick. At, to the right of Duka Rask, decides not to shade over to force the shot from right. Trangelo. And that's the goalie's read there is okay, he's coming right down the slot, head of steam. My defenseman's going to converge on him, force him to yeah. either A, pass it off yeah. um, to a guy that's right on my doorstep so I can possibly poke it, or I, there's a litany of things that can happen there, or I'm going to force the shot. Right. And if the time's going down in the period, I'm assuming a shot's coming. So he's preparing for that, is Rask, and then as soon as no. As soon as it opens up even further, and he's got a straight line to the net, now Rask has no backward momentum. Yeah. And when you have no backward momentum, and there's a guy coming in at that rate of speed and going to deke you, you are dead. Oh, yeah, and he was. like He, he barely moved, and he couldn't even do anything to stop the you shot. Have to, you have to go with an aggressive move and hope that you disrupt yeah. either his arms, poke right. the puck, or whatever. And he did. And, you know, look at Petrangelo, boom, backhand yeah. shelf, great yeah. finish. Great finish. But that's not on Rask either. No. And the first goal is, a, you know, a high tip. 
10, 12 feet out from the net. There's no way, no goalie's going to stop that unless it hits you. Off a of Bowmeister slap shot, right? Yeah. Which we haven't seen that many of them. Yeah. So all of a sudden. That's O'Reilly's goal. Yeah, yeah, on the O'Reilly goal. He conjured that up and he was crying on the ice. Oh, I bet. In the yeah, t- he over was 1,200 very, games. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's a guy that point wise hasn't really gotten there. But at some point, if someone like Dick Duff made it to the Hall of Fame, Jay Bowmeister might. Yeah, and the thing is, too, with him is. Um, at one point this season, he was rumored to be about to be cut or waived or whatever. But he was coming. We didn't realize at the time he he had a hip issue, mm-hmm. and he was just starting to get better from it. So what we saw was him struggling with that injury. And not knowing it. And us well, not knowing us it. Us not knowing yeah, it. He him knew. knowing it. Yeah, well, he felt <laughs> it every day. Um, so, yeah, those two goals. And then the third goal, Tarasenko, I was so impressed with him. Oh, yeah. Because he did all the things that were his criticism points before. Um, he played a full 200-foot game. And he busted on that forecheck to he get did. that puck to Shen. And then he just he just tees it up for Shen and he yep. just destroys it. And there's no chance that um Rask is gonna make that save from that spot. And then we heard the outcry in Philly. Yeah, because, then Twitter blew up. Because Braden Shen scored a goal and it looked like he yeah. was gonna get a Stanley Cup and it looked like Craig Berube was gonna get a Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. And of course, why didn't the Flyers do this and why did they do that? And now they traded Shen for Yuri Laterra, <laughs> who's now gonna play in the KHL after yeah, a drunk yeah, case. Yeah. It was more involved than <laughs> that. We were not going through that again. Yeah. Uh, but we will get into parts of that. And we're gonna you uh, ran into Braden Shen I on did. the ice last night. I did. We'll play that interview. He was for almost people. gonna go inside, but I think he he recognized me, so he hung mm. out a little bit longer, which was nice of yep. him. And then I did get Pareko too. Yeah, and Colton Pareko. Um, uh, his was inspiring. Like his his what he said was very inspiring. I think okay. people will like it. Well, well, so we'll hear from Colton Pareko on the ice last night, and Braden Shen. You got both interviews, so we'll have those featured in the episode as well. Um, and Colton Pareko, the first period of that game, he throws a pizza across the yeah, ice, yeah. the middle of the ice, and yeah. Bennington bailed him out. He did. He, oh, for, he, he gets the penalty for the over the glass. Yes, and you're going wow. They're they're clicking on their power play like thirty percent now on that power play. Marshawn choked. I know some people were saying you know it wasn't the greatest of passes. He actually had a great chance, great open net. All he had to do was hit the one timer. Didn't hit it. Yeah, and then after that. He lost confidence and decided to move in and do a wrist shot, and that's not his thing. Yeah. So Bennington was ready for that, and if you remember, he moved over to the side yeah. and quickly grabbed that. Marshawn hurt him there. He yeah. actually did. No question about it. A couple and times in that game. Yeah, so you, you get a little bit of confidence killing off the penalty, and then yep. Prigo throws that one up the middle, but your goalie bails you out, and all of a sudden you can play mentally a lot different. I thought Maroon was good in the game last night. Was particularly he on wasn't, the he check. wasn't. It was weird that... When he ran into Chara, Chara pushed him down like a rag doll. Like, he does I was, that to everyone. No, but I mean, Patrick Maroon's a big oh, guy. Yeah, yeah, like, no I, I just felt like that was a little too easy. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And I remember when the Flyers played Boston in 2010 and 2011, um, and Peter Laviolette was the coach. And we talked to Laviolette before every game. Yeah. And his philosophy, and a lot of people's philosophy, and the Blues used it as well because Berube was an assistant under him at that time. Right was always, if you're dumping the puck in their zone, always, and he's on the ice, always dump it in his corner. And you go, well, why would you do You want to stay away from him. But no, you want to put it in his corner and put a body on him to right. wear a big guy out. Yeah, yeah. And they did it again in that series. Char's a machine yeah. at 41, 42 years old. But that was the strategy again. You saw it plain as day. Yeah, no Incredible. question. That was a strategy. There, there were a couple other things, too. I, I ran into Joel Edmondson, and the interesting thing about him was I said to him, I said, why is it that you're such a good road team? What is it? And he goes, that's a good question. I'm like, I know. That's why I was, an I've been waiting to ask you. And then I even I helped him out a little. I said, is it because you really just keep it simple? And he goes, honestly, that is what happens. Yeah. 
We just us against the we world. Just, we just go smart. No, but like simple game too. Like yeah. don't get complicated. Get it in. Put bodies on. And, guys, and I think the, the Bruins did get too complicated. Yeah. And the Bru- and I know it sounds cliche and everything else, but it really did work for them. Yeah, and the Bruins, you could see, especially in the second period, really trying to cr- cross ice passes in the offensive yeah. zone because you're going. We're not going to beat this guy straight on at, to like Z- Steve Valakett's point. Like if you don't go over. The the royal road, the middle line, if you will, the yeah. If you slot keep line. getting pushed back, yeah, like a football game where you mm-hmm. can't get over, you know, the fifty yard line, and you're never getting good positive yardage. Yeah, they they know yeah. they're winning the ice battle there. Yeah. The battle. If, if you can keep the puck on one side of the ice, yeah, like if that puck crosses the Steve Alcat called it the royal road. It's now the slot line, right? The imaginary line from the middle of the net all the way to the blue line, right? When the puck crosses that on any scoring chance, the chances of scoring go up like forty percent. Yeah, it's incredible because there's obviously a tremendous amount of things that have to happen and adjustments right. where a mistake can happen. Plus yeah, yeah. The Traffic. Can't get set. Yeah. So on set shots, you weren't going to beat Jordan Bennington. No, and that it. was another problem. Like Coyle, when he had that break, he shot it right into his chest. It's yeah. like, come on, man. Yeah. I you, say that's the goalie in the right spot. Yeah, you <laughs> you know, but you got to do better than that. You yeah. got to try a deke. You got to try something. Mm-hmm. Don't keep, you know, but whatever. I mean, it's it, it's all past now. I mean, St. Louis did, did a great job. There's no question about it. Bennington had an amazing season. The guys who were honest did say that something changed when Bennington got there. Mm-hmm. And and then they picked it up too because they gained their confidence back because like, they they had the personnel. Yeah, that's why we on this show and on a lot of other shows, I was never thinking they were going to trade Petrangelo or Tarasenko. I laughed mm-hmm. at all that. Yeah. There was no way they were going to do that. They were core pieces. And they didn't do it. And the thing about it too is, as soon as you start to get some saves, when you don't get a save, you turn a puck over early yeah. in the game and it's in the back of your net. You it cripples you mentally in the way you play the game. Yeah, defensemen, everything they all play a conservative style, which never leads to offense. Right, unless the other team has a total breakdown and if they had any discipline. And so you look at as soon as they started getting some saves, and they knew they had a guy back there that could bail them out. It changed everything for them. I kind of wonder. I didn't notice on Twitter because I was driving. Have Ranger and Islander fans complained that Delzato? Got a, gets a cup. <laughs> I, I don't. I didn't see any of those fans. I did see <laughs> his name mentioned a few times, but I'm sure Delzato's having a good time because oh, he yeah. always has a good time. Yeah, yeah. He'll have a party. He'll DJ <laughs> yeah. it. Like that's that's definite. Um, real quick, um, talking about Ryan O'Reilly, he wins the Con Smythe. Yep. Um, that was my pick as well. He scores in Game Four, Game Five, Game Six, and Game Seven. Yeah, I think they said he was the first guy to do that in he a very is, long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, tremendous performance from him, and the story of Ryan O'Reilly. I think is an incredible one from the years in Colorado, yep. ending up in Buffalo, where they're just at the bottom and they're just strung out. But and we were both sort it. of, but we, but we were both like, boy, that was not a good soundbite to have. We, I remember last year, last yeah. year, we were both saying, yeah, that was not a good move. That was a move that was gonna get him out of town. Yeah. Maybe that's what he wanted in the end. I don't know. Yeah, well, it worked out. And at that time, you know, he's really questioning his love of the game, yeah. not having fun. Yeah. And as a leader for that team, it was like, oh boy. Yeah, this is not a good look. So then he leaves. He, the, the big trade happens. He goes to St. Louis. They're in the toilet, right? Yeah. In November, mind you, the best team in the NHL at that point is the one he just got traded from in Buffalo, who just yeah. had a ten-game win streak. Yeah, and he's got to be going. Is it me? Am I the common denominator losing here? Yeah, yeah. And then boom, it flip flops. Season turns around. Buffalo drives off a cliff. St. Louis grabs a parachute and goes insane. Yeah, and he wins the cup. And um, 
I felt good for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly because he plays the game the right way. I do want to tell people, if they go to Sportsology.com, I posted a few other interviews. I, I posted a video with Joel Edmondson and his family. I couldn't do a lot. Like, I got to sleep at, like, two-something, you know, mm. so I didn't even get into heavy writing. But I did also post an interview. I did one celebrity interview. Oh, who was that? Andy Cohen. Oh, did you? Do you know who he is? Yes. From okay. E, uh, no, no, Bravo. Or Bravo, yeah. He yeah, does yeah. all the Real Housewives. Yeah, show. yeah. So I flashed him my 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 badge and I, you know, my lanyard, and I said, hey, I'm a Cohen, too. Can I get an interview? Yeah. And he goes, yeah, okay, quick. Wow. And he was okay. nice, and he was really good. So that's it's all a fun interview. NHL Network's uh, pregame coverage yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it was a fun interview, so people should check it out. Oh. He, he actually divulged something that was pretty funny. Oh, okay, that you guys are actually related. No. Oh. No. If we were, I'd ask them for money. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can I get your number and your bank account? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the atmosphere there last night, pregame, had to be pretty intense. It was great. I mean, it's. I, I'll tell you a quick funny story. So I walked down the center of where they had their fan fest, mm-hmm. and I saw Chris Johnston from uh, Sportsnet. Sportsnet, yeah. And, and we know each other, and I saw he was getting mic'd up and everything, and I took off sunglasses, and I'm like, you look taller on TV. <laughs> And he laughed. And a guy who's in front of us, a Bruins fan, goes, no, he doesn't. <laughs> and, and Johnston and I look at each other like, no, but I looked at the guy after and I said something to him. I'm like, dude, like, just roll with that. We were having fun. Yeah. And he goes, well, he's he's a, he's not a, I said because he's a nice guy. And the guy goes, well, he's not a nice guy, but he's accurate in his reporting. And I'm thinking, you know what he did? And I spoke to Chris about that after. I said, I think he was just assuming because Tr- Chris is a Toronto guy uh, that he's like heavy Toronto, right? Yeah, so then against the Bruins, against the Bruins, and I think that was the mentality. I mean, I walked. They have like a common garden in um, in Boston that's really nice, and I felt like you know what? Before all this craziness, let me walk through there and just sit and relax for a minute for some zen. I go in there and I I swear there's this guy that looks like Donnie Wahlberg and he lets out the biggest burp you've ever heard in your life. Everybody turns around and he goes, oh, excuse me, you know, and I'm like, I can't get away from it. So I knew, I knew going into that place, it was going to be drunken stupidity. And it was. And it was. The guys, people dressed up like there was somebody who had like spaghetti and meatballs under like a hat. Like I I don't know. The Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior Bruins fan. I don't get that guy. I don't get a lot of them. People just go bananas. The cups on the building. Everybody gets a little crazy and a little loopy. Um, But yeah, I thought all in all. The game, the greatest part about the game is that the referees never got in the way. In right. The final game. It was a very dubious postseason for NHL. It was. It was, a, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. But when it all said and done, maybe the cup wasn't determined by officiating. It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I think the teams that ended up getting there would have gotten there anyway. Yeah. Bruins knew they got beaten. They, yeah. they, they just, you know, it's interesting because they traded for Coyle knowing that in the playoffs they would need a little bit more of that and they still didn't have enough of that. Yeah. And, the heavy uh, play. Yeah, that's it's amazing, and I know that um, you know a lot of people expected a veteran team. A lot of those guys have won it from Bergeron, and yeah, and obviously that was the other Jara. thing. They were devastated after the game. I would have started if I were Cassidy. I would broken up that line for the third period because yeah, they were getting nothing done. Nothing. Nothing done. I would not have gone with that line the whole game like yeah. that. Yeah, that maybe that stubbornness and could have cost them. But yeah, uh, it was St. Louis's night, and the drought is over in St. Louis. Fifty-two years, they get the cup and. A lot of great storylines out of it. Craig Berube's going to get a nice contract. Yeah, Thorburn and uh, health insurance. Yeah, how about that? that was nice. That's yeah, an amazing he was the thing. Fourth guy to get the cup or third, fourth. I don't know, but Armstrong. That was a nice thing to, to do. Yeah, that. they brought him back from where was it, San Antonio. Yeah, because um, he has a kid on the spectrum and the, the yeah. insurance and stuff yep. like that. Yep. And, um, this way he'd be insured. Yeah, great stuff and um, just a tremendous final. And uh, let me get your thoughts 
an encapsulation really on the playoffs as a whole? How did you feel it rated? I feel it rated well. Actually, um, that game last night in St. Louis, I, I retweeted it. It was something like a 41.8 wow. share. It actually beat the Super Bowl in that market. Now, here's the reach for the NBC PR. They're like, well, it was Patriots-Rams, and the Rams used to be in St. Louis. Yeah. And it's like, okay, look. and Because that, that game got a 38, I think, in that market yeah. for for the Super Bowl. But a lot of those Ram fans gave up on that team when they yeah. left that city. Yeah, they did. Screw you, you left us. But still, they beat the NFL in a Super Bowl game yeah. for a Stanley Cup game. Now, that's yeah. a very good thing in that market. And also... As I was driving here, they had already St. Louis fans had already set the modern day record for swag for buying oh really merchandise day they after stuff. doubled what last year's was Ooh. for Washington doubled it wow that's, already that's not just a little bit that's a that's lot a lot of it, of it. Wow, so incredible. impressive incredible. and 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 those fans are good fans man I had a yeah. good time there I did yeah well um and there'll be the defending champ coming up uh, next season yeah now the off season's under well they have to sign that interim coach of theirs yeah well they'll get him signed. Um, and he Although nice I still payday. wouldn't give him more than three years. I really wouldn't. No? No. Maybe he doesn't accept it. Goes to market. Let him go to market. Hey, the Stanley Cup winning coach went to market last year. Yeah, but that's Barry Trotz. If Craig Berube goes to market late like this, there's not a lot of suitors. Anaheim would probably take him because they're the only ones looking, right? Yeah, they're the only ones without a coach at this point. <laughs> but maybe somebody decides to fire their no. coach because he's available. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. Mm, maybe too late in the process. Um, if you're his agent... He would end up firing you because then he'd be without a job. That'd be bad advice. Uh, I, I excel at bad advice. Uh, <laughs> let's get to your interview right now with uh, Braden Shen last night after winning the cup. Another former flyer hoists the cup. People, when a team doesn't win a championship for 45, 44 years, you're going to have former yeah, players. Yeah, like they're, they're like fifth on the list now for the longest, the longest droughts. Yeah, yeah, because the Leafs are number one now. 67. Vancouver, I think, is number two. Yep. And then I forget. The rest gets a little, a little murky. fuzzy. Yeah. All right, uh, here's your interview with uh, Braden Shen on the ice. Line. So when that bell sounded, how did it feel, man? Oh, unbelievable. Um, it's what it's all about. Yeah, you grind, you grind, you grind. We found a way in the third period. When you when you became a blue, did you imagine this would happen? They, always, they were always close. They were always a playoff team. They always had good teams. Uh, anything can happen in this league, and we found a way. I mean, you always had good personnel. Did Bennington just give that extra confidence this year? Absolutely. He's unbelievable from start to finish. So, um, ever since his first win in Philadelphia, he's been huge. Congrats. Thank you. All righty. Uh, former Flyer Braden Shen, uh, breaking bread with you on the ice. He made time for you last He made night. time for me. He recognized me, and I didn't really write anything that would make him hate me. Okay, so, so I saw Luke Shen was there last Luke night, Luke was there. He was he was there in St. Louis, too. I saw Luke. So, of course, um, brothers uh, playing together here in Philadelphia. You know, it was a touching moment. One other thing that just came in my head, and, and it's, it's on Sportsology, um, Bozak, was helping his dad lift the cup because his dad was a smaller guy. Uh-huh. And so, like, his dad had the cup there, and he sort of spotted it with him. Oh, so he's, he's got a spotter? The cup's only 35 pounds. Yeah, but, it, you know, you go lift 35 pounds at the end of a night when it's, you know, well, you've a had a adrenaline. few drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, uh, so Braden Shen, let's, let's stay on that real quick. He gets the cup, and it sends Flyer fans into a tizzy. Oh, yeah. So they go, why are we trying? We're trying to get Kevin Hayes to be our 2C, and we traded Braden Shen. We got Yuri Leterra and a couple draft picks. We haven't seen Farabee or Frost yet at the NHL level. Right. So people are freaking out. Right. Um, he, he had some good moments in the playoffs, but. He did. No, he had. Yeah, I, I'm not pretty decent. How, I think he had two or three goals. One, obviously, very mm-hmm. important yesterday. Yeah, the third one, um, really the nail in the coffin. But yep. when you look at it, 
that trade, we're not going to be able to judge that trade. No. For a, a number Two, of years. Two, three more years. Yeah, minimum. So, and, and you forget about the Laterra part. They that didn't, was the dump. Yeah. That was the dump. They didn't get that guy because they thought he was good. Yeah. Um, and, and Chen played a little center here, played a, a yeah. little wing here, and, and he had moments, and he's a physical player. But he's bad on faceoffs. He's still, a couple mm-hmm. times he was on defensive zone faceoffs, and he was just getting killed on it. Yeah. Um, somebody here. Uh, For the haters. Um, asking about, uh, actually, it's Martitas's communion suit on Twitter. It says <laughs> Pareko is such an underrated player. It's almost impossible to beat that guy to a puck or push him off one, steal, et cetera. His skating ability for a big guy is really, I mean, he's a really good skater. Yeah, he we is. We mentioned a couple of mistakes that he made, but I was really impressed with him throughout the playoffs. No, I, I again, Pareko struggled a little in, in, like, game one. In between one and two, he was calling out the team and sort of himself, too, like, hey, we've got to be better than this. Yeah. And his his play, I felt, like, picked up from that point on and yep. just kept getting better and better. And this is the Colton Pareko that, you know, this team will never trade. Yeah. Let, let's actually get to Colton Pareko now because Anna Lee Locke on Twitter says, can Colton talk a little bit about his friendship with Layla and what she has meant to the team during their cup run? He and you did asked him about talk it. about that. Yeah, so I didn't ask him. Somebody else did, but I asked him something else. All right. So here's uh, Russ breaking bread with uh, Big 55, Colton Pareko last night after winning the cup in Boston. What, uh, what's that moment? You must have dreamt about it a million times. When yeah. It, when it's in your hands, what's it feel like? Man, it's special. I mean... I don't know. It's like, is it real or is this like, what is this? Like, it's crazy. Uh, you just envision what it's like to hold it, and then if you finally get it, and it's been so much fun. How much confidence did Biddington give you guys in the first period? A lot. He was huge for us. He's been huge for us all, all playoffs, and that was. That's just what he's doing. I mean, he's standing on his head all playoffs all season, and I mean, we were so confident him coming in, and he just played well. What do you think the scenes like that right now? Pardon? What do you think the scene is like? I hope everyone's going crazy and partying because it's just too much fun. It's been unbelievable, and obviously everybody in St. Louis is a huge part of this. We did it for everybody. It's not just us on the ice, but for St. Louis, we've been a franchise for a long time, and we're just so happy that we get to bring this thing home for everyone. Withstanding that uh, that initial push that they had. Do you feel that you, that deflated them a little bit when you guys? Yeah, they came hard. Oh, man, they're such a good team. They have a lot of good pieces. They have it all. Um, I mean, that's why I went to seven. Obviously, they they battle. They bring it every night, um, and and they just they play well together. And credit to them, they held us to an unbelievable series. And it was a fun series to play against. And I could have gone either way. And um, so much fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, I love these girls. So much fun. Uh, I don't know. I have nothing really to describe it for you guys. I'm sorry. How great do you feel for Layla? You're her favorite player. She's here. You guys are playing for her. She's obviously just right now having so much fun. Oh, I can't wait to give her a hug when I find her. She's been special to me, man. Oh, for everything. Uh, obviously, we have each, each other own bottles, but, uh, man, we're just going to help each other win them. She was there for us this whole time, and now we're going to be there to help her through everything. And, oh, I can't wait to give her the cup and show her it and let her celebrate with it because she deserves it. She's an absolute warrior more than all of us. And, oh, man, I, I can't wait to give her a big hug. All right, there you go. Uh, Colton Pareko, that's what we would love for Sam Moran to be. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> not at that level, no. Uh, let's get to some of the Twitter questions because there's pretty interesting ones here. Steve Appleman tweets and he says, is there a, quote, steal type of trade like the Ryan O'Reilly trade out there to be made this offseason? Who is it and who could you see the Flyers pulling off a trade like that? That's a rare trade. There was a lot of yeah, the, pieces to that with Jason Bottrell. And, and, the, and they were motivated to get rid of him based on what he said. Mm-hmm. And you don't generally know it's a steal until afterwards a lot of times. So I, I don't know. I mean, 
a steel trade. I mean, I guess the only steel trade that I know that you could make is if you're willing to pay the rest of the freight on Nikita Zaitsev and he goes back to being a 45-point defenseman because Babcock has killed his offense. Yeah. That is the only steal trade because they may take a lot less for him just to get rid of that salary and make him happy because yeah. he wants to go. Maybe that's the only one I know of right off the top of my head. Okay. Um, Britton R. tweets in and says, How mad are the Flyers at Hayes and his agent for attempting to gain leverage through the media? So let's go full circle here. Here we go. Initially, the tweet comes out um, yesterday. Well, I tweeted on Sunday, I think it was, that Kevin Hayes was – or on Friday, that Kevin Hayes was coming to town this week. And then I tweeted out on Monday that he had come to town that day. Yes. And he had sourced information. Met with the team. Met with the coaching staff. Was Gritty in that? Because when I was on Sirius, don't I, think so. I said I don't even know if he was in on those discussions. No, okay. I was with Gritty on Saturday in an appearance at an Xfinity store. Okay. Yes, but um, no, I don't believe that Gritty was involved in that. And they they rolled out the carpet, and you know they presented everything to him, and they all met. And from all accounts, the the visit went well. Okay, but Frank Saravalli reported that uh, that even though the visit went well and negotiations are ongoing, his preferences were either Columbus or Arizona. With the Coyotes, and of course he played with Derek Stepan, is a friend of his. So right, and, and I guess like he loves torts. Is that what we should? No, well, you never know. Or, um, or Dubinsky. Yeah, Dubinsky's I mean, there. And when he played for Elaine Vigneault in New York. Yeah. Um, I don't think the relationship was exactly like great, but he does recognize that he played really good hockey under Elaine Vigneault as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's an asset or a liability in in this. I mean, whole I think thing. it's an asset. I do. Yeah. Uh, and I can't imagine that. They would have made the trade to acquire his rights and Vino pushing that without a some intelligence that he was very amenable to the situation and he would definitely hear them out and see where it went. And B, that they didn't feel comfortable that if they felt like Vino and his relationship weren't good and that was a poison pill, they never would have made the deal. No, I, I agree. Although I did hear the other day that, hey, it was far from a slam dunk, but. All you can do at that point is make the pitch, yeah. and then he could still put that pitch in his pocket and still shop around come free agency. Like, yeah. he could still do that. See, here's the thing, though. From what I understand is they want to wrap this up. I know, but, uh, you know. going into the draft. But that's up to Kevin affect, Hayes. Yeah, I mean, that's going to affect, obviously, conversations maybe with a team like Toronto. Well, but there's so many Nazem other Kadri. things affecting. Okay, yeah. so Kevin Hayes, you made the pitch. You may not hear back. Even yep. though you want to, you may not, right? He may just want to get to free agency. Right. So, who knows how that happens? Ivan Provorov, what's his status? Yeah. No. Yeah. A lot of RFAs <laughs> were asking that, that question do you, about. Do you think that's going to hold up things at the draft? Yeah. It might. Yeah. No, there's a lot of variables right now yeah. with, with a really crazy RFA you know, class, if you will. Yeah. Um, but from what I understand, the meeting went well. They're talking. The conversations are ongoing between Bob Murray and the Flyers. and So the number has been much talked about. To me, to get it done and where I would feel – my ceiling of comfortability would be six times 6.25, maybe six and a half. Yeah, I went six and a half by six. That yeah. was my feeling. Like I'd love to go five like by six and 6. a half. 6.25 would be the opener thing, and I would mm. finish with six and a half and say, slide it over. Yeah. This, is, this is my knocking point. Yeah, see a lot of people, like seven, I'm getting into an uncomfortable area. You yeah. know, it's about 8% of the cap. Yeah, I'm getting to an area that I don't want to go into. Let's not do too much math on this. Yeah, show, I'm not though. good at it. Okay, uh, I just suck at it. Um, but again, you can't look just at the number. You got to look at the percentage of cap. Right. So you see six and a half. You go, how can you pay a guy? He's only had twenty goals one time. Six and a half million over six years. Now, a he just turned twenty-seven. Right. In May, 
There's other things he does on the ice, too, yeah. that are good. That's the other thing you have to consider. Somebody asked me on Twitter the other night, said, well, JVR got this. Why did he get less? He's a more prolific goal scorer. He's a winger. Well, first, he's a winger. That's what I said. First, he's a winger. Two, can't kill penalties. No. Kevin Hayes can kill penalties. No. JVR does eat on the power play, but Kevin Hayes is also a power play center. So there's but Kevin Hayes gets more, a lot more even strength goals. Yeah, and there's a lot of value there. He's a much JVR does not get even player. strength goals. No, no. He, that's why They're few and far between. Especially in Toronto, JVR didn't play a lot of five on five minutes. Right. Yeah, Babcock limited that. Yeah, I think his, his last year there, he was under 13 minutes a game. It was, um, and still had 30 goals essentially. So yeah, um, we'll we'll see where this goes. I don't think it's a slam dunk that they sign him. No, it's not. If I'm handicapping it, I'll say there's about a 68 percent chance that they will get a deal done. 68, like you yeah. just pulled that number out of the air. I, I, I think it's After more careful consideration. I think it's more like forty-eight at this point. Oh, do you? Well, only because like there wasn't an instant answer, and there wasn't anything the day after. So now, how many? We're a couple days after. By next week, when you're at the draft, you're just a few days from actual at the yeah. You know, from free agency. So every day for me, that number, that percentage goes down. Yeah, because on the twenty-third, that's when players and agents. Can right. talk to teams, right? But they can't sign until July first, right? So, but think about it. Like that's you got eleven days now, and you haven't heard back yet. You know, it's kind of like that girl you're waiting for her to text mm-hmm. you. You don't want to text her because you know. You, yeah, I know it hasn't happened for me for a long time, like yeah. thirty-one years. But and you probably a long time too. Yeah. but you know what I'm saying. No, no doubt about it. the thing is too. Like this shouldn't be that complicated of a, ne- a negotiation. It's kind of like okay, here's where we. Well, need you it guys will to be. No, no, no. I disagree. Potential lockout. He's going to want lockout. Guarantee. You know, not so much guarantee, but he's going to want upfront money, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some signing bonus that year. Yeah. So there's that. He's probably going to want an, an, at least like a limited no trade or something like that. He's not yeah. going to take it with nothing because if he's going to come here and presumably move here and spend six years, he's not going to have it be an empty contract. Like yeah. he won't do that because he can go on a free agent market and get like a limited no trade or no move or something and like that. And choose his destination. And choose, right. For so, so they're going to have to do something like that too. You have to so, give something to right. but to I think, prevent him. But that's the only reason I say I think yeah. it gets a little more complicated than just, hey, sign for six but you know six years. Is he a better hockey fit than Nazem Kadri? It's a different fit. Because like, Kadri gives you a little bit more – Sandpaper. He does. Hayes is never physical like you want no, him to I mean, be. You wouldn't believe how little he is penalized for a guy his size. I know. Actually, I, I think a couple of years ago, I, I think I put him for the uh, Lady Bang. Yeah, I think he had like four not or six not number one, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but like in the yeah. in the top five. Uh, the difference is though, is that Kadri is a ticking time bomb, mm-hmm. and the next time he gets like suspended by the league, it could be like twenty five games. Yeah. And he's cost them in the playoffs two years in a row. So that's so. where you would say, you know, Hayes is the safer one. But Kadri's clearly, like, probably their second guy on their list. If if they don't get Hayes, they're probably going to start looking down that avenue, too. So some of the conversation regarding Kadri is that it's a Gosta spare for Kadri swap with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think it'll they be more the... than that. I think it'll be more than that because I got the idea that Dubis wants a bigger trade than just that. Okay, so there'd be another because piece you remember, on both sides? Yes, because think about it. Kadri is so affordable. He's like 4.8, yeah, which is Ghost way is under his mark. Yeah. But but Ghost is right about the right price for him, even mm. though it's... it's 26 years old. Yeah, but it's the right price because he doesn't play great defense, even though he, he point per dollar, like I pointed out, yeah. is great. But with Kadri, he's severely under market value. So now you have to make that up 
on the Flyers and with somebody else that they it's could added use. value that you're that the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. are giving up when yeah. you give up Kadri. Um, so, hmm. like maybe they have to throw Scott Lawton in, and then the Leafs balance it out with either another prospect or you know, like a second round pick, pick or, something. or something. Yeah, and yeah. put some kind of conditions on the pick or whatever you yeah. decide to do. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, do you feel like Ghost is a guy that's going to be here? I still feel like they have to get an answer from Provorov or have an idea before they just trade him. Because mm-hmm. let's say Ghost is in that trade. Yep. He's gone. Let's say they're not getting a defenseman back in that deal. We don't know if Moran will make the team. We don't. Uh, I tend to think not. I don't know if Philip Myers is ready to fulfill what Ghost used to do. Yeah, it's a different player. Different player, but yeah. he has the offensive ability, but I don't know if they're ready to hand over that kind well, of offensive get, freedom to him. You know, you Let's put it a, that way. you got to get a veteran D in here that can be your, your so, point power play, man. Well, that's the whole thing. So who is going to be the, the point man? I mean, Provorov can do it. Provorov yeah. has an accurate shot, but he isn't know. signed either. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Vino's thought is on that, but... He likes the flashy big shot. Yeah, and, and I don't know that Provorov is the power play guy. I mean, like he can me. do it, but he's not really that guy. Yeah. So that's my whole point, is so maybe they turn Sandheim into that, but he's not quite there yet. Yeah, too young for it. So it, it, it's easy for everybody to say out of thin air, hey, just well, trade goes. Well, is it true or Spurgeon? Yeah. You know? And, yeah, and, and, then, and then you're okay then, if that's the case. Yeah. But I still think Winnipeg might just go own rental on Truba because they're close anyhow. Yeah, and they feel like maybe the disappointment of this year can propel them next year. Yeah. Sometimes you got to lose to learn how to win. And I don't know if Spurgeon's necessarily the guy they deal. It could be Brodine, and then he's not a power play guy. Yeah. yeah it's going to be interesting to see how the Chuck Fletcher decides to, to handle this situation. But yeah. uh, the Kevin Hayes thing is just kind of lingering right now. It is. We'll see where it goes, but, uh, you know, <laughs> tick, tick, I'm just not tick. even sure where it does go. Uh, it may go nowhere. Find out soon. It may go nowhere. It, it, he is under no obligation to make a public statement like, "Hey, I'm not going to sign with the Flyers." Yeah, no, he's not going to do that. No, I, I saw Sam Carcitti's tweet, and sorry, Sam, but you're going to catch a little flack here. He said uh, he reached out, I guess, to Chuck Fletcher to get gain comment on how the visit went uh-huh. and how negotiations going, and he declined comment initially. Right. And Sam goes, "That doesn't sound promising." Well, no, you never. You're never going to tip your hand publicly. No, decline comment doesn't mean it was good or bad. Yeah, and then eventually it does come out that Chuck says hey, the meeting went well. We're yeah. having dialogue. You know, yeah. that, that's it is what it is. But to, he, what he didn't say, probably, we're not going to negotiate through the media. No, that's not the way we're going to conduct business. And yeah, it was, was there some disappointment by the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher at that report that came out from Frank? Maybe because. None, nobody wants to negotiate through the media, right? But the agents do do that. I mean, those things they happen. They're real. When there's holdouts, they do. Yeah. Um, do you think that Truba is a guy that is in play for the Flyers? I think he's in play. Uh, his agent, Kurt Overhart, has had players here in the past that have signed here. So I think it wouldn't be impossible to get him locked up. But, again, I don't know if Winnipeg really wants to deal. Yeah. Um, Chris Naffy with this tweet it says, Do you think that Cole Caulfield will be available with the 11th pick? And should the Flyers draft him if he is available? Well, anything's possible. I I don't think he'll be there, but because of his height, now I'm not even going to go with slight frame anymore because he did 16 pull-ups. Mm. So and he played football. He told me he played football. So if you're at that size and you played football, yeah. you're pretty fearless. But end of the day, is it possible? Sure. If he's there, they're taking him because Fletcher said they're looking for goal scoring. Yeah. He's the best goal scorer in the draft. They they would not turn that down. Yeah, he's a pure goal scorer. And what uh, Fletcher and Brett and he does Flair more said, than that too. But he is yeah. a pure goal scorer. Uh, what, what both Fletcher and Flair said at that press conference on Monday too is we're taking the best guy available. 
We're yeah, not I for think need. that's baloney. What I here's if you're splitting hairs, maybe it is. But it is. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you Muslim why. Guys, head and shoulders. The word I'm getting is after like the first three picks, because I think now it's there is heavy consideration for Turcotte going third. I've had him ranked third for four months, yeah. but I, there's a good chance the Blackhawks will take him now. Not a great chance, but a, but a fairly good chance where I feel like that may be decided already. But with the rest. It's in the it's, eye of the it's beholder. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. And, and so my feeling is, and, and what I heard is, yeah, guys are going to, teams are going to go with a little bit of need on this one. Mm-hmm. What do we need? Yeah. Draft for need. Because I think by the time the Flyers go, I don't think it's smart to go best player available. I don't think it's a good move for them. Okay. And I don't think they will do that. Chris also asks, um, what do you make of Rutherford, Jim Rutherford's comments regarding the likelihood that Kessel now remains in Pittsburgh? Is he toxic and a personality teams want to avoid? Well, first of all, I think that Rutherford is saying that simply because he's making the case that we don't have to trade him. Right. You know, if everybody knows you have to trade him, you lose a ton of leverage and you lose yes. value. So yeah. that's Jim Rutherford playing the game. Yes. But as far as him being toxic and a personality that teams want to avoid. I've never heard that. He's not toxic. He's different. He's different. He's like a hayseed. He's like a guy from Westchester. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> a little bit. Some of us uh, from Westchester. But but you know what I mean? But he's he's just a little different. He probably likes the hot dogs in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. His dog likes it there. He likes yep. Crosby. He likes these guys are his bros. He has a contract like that, so he doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. And the one thing is is when things are going well and he's on a team, everything's great. Right. His idiosyncrasies become charming. Yes. When they're not going well, his idiosyncrasies become an issue. Yes. Both in the locker room. But at the end of the day, we're going to look at this guy, and he's going to have somewhere around 400, 500 goals probably. And, you know, I think people just needlessly pick on him. Yeah, I do too. Um, Biggest story of the 2018-19 NHL season was for you? When you look at the the turnaround of the Blues is just a huge one. And the Craig Ruby and all the – alliterations thereof. But when you look at the biggest stories of this season, it was a pretty wild year last year. So like a singular story, not a team story. Well, it could be a team story too. Well, when you look at, you know, you look at teams like, uh, um, you know, like what happened in Buffalo. And then, you know, you look around the league and certain players and, and, and different storylines that develop over your last year. Obviously it was Vegas, an expansion yeah. team going to the cup final. But this year it, it was an interesting year. Maybe one of the biggest stories though is review. Review is big. I, I don't want to make that a big story. So I'm going to have it be a tie between the Carolina Hurricanes mm-hmm. the and jerks. the Jerks and Jordan Bennington. Okay. I'm going to say it's a tie between them. And I'm not discounting the, the Blues team, but the Blues team was the Blues team until Bennington got there. Yeah. And he was the— And then it changed. Yeah, the spark the was there. The course. And actually, after—you know, I wrote about Bennington recently, and after that Flyers game, I asked him, hey, do you, did you feel like— this team played a little harder in front of you because, you know, you're new. And he said something that, again, I knew he was a smart kid, right? I mm-hmm. covered him in the in the uh, Memorial Cup. I, I knew he was a smart kid. He said, hey, you know what? Yeah, sometimes with, with the young guy, a new guy, they will go a little bit further. They will go the extra mile. They might play a little harder. So he knew that he yeah. was getting the benefit of that. And if you sort of, in your mind, go back to that game, like, they definitely did that. Um you're going to go to the draft out in Vancouver? Oh, yeah. So it'll be how many drafts in a row for you? Like a thousand? Since, since, well, since you were born? 
since 2001, we've had coverage on Sportsology. Now, 2005, the Crosby draft, it was in a hotel again, like the old days, and they, it was like a haphazard thing. Mm-hmm. I had somebody there because I had a reporter in Ottawa. I wasn't there because they invited very few people. Okay. So, so but from 2001 to now, to now that I- was the only in between where I wasn't physically there, but I was getting stuff from mm-hmm. the draft to put on my website. Um, the new rules that were proposed that came out the other day, what did you think? Did any of those stick out to you in I particular? didn't get to really hear all of them. If you want to uh, recant. Yeah, there's th- some very interesting ones that they're proposing. You know, the helmet rule, the, the, if you lose your helmet, you got to get off the ice right away right. for a player. I mean, they're trying to do things that obviously protect players. I'm okay with that one. But the expanded video review coaches challenge, the committee recommends changes to the coaches challenge and expanded video review, including as it relates to a referee's ability to review some of his own calls on the ice. Recommendations will be prepared for the league's board of governors, general managers, and the PA exec- executive board. Well, see, all they're saying there, and uh, unless I'm reading it wrong, hearing it wrong, all they're saying there is, yeah, you shouldn't be able to review your own call. But what they should be saying is, shouldn't we review all scoring chances and just not tell you? And if there's a problem, stop the play and say, we got to change that. Yeah. Well, right. Other, I mean, that's yeah. what the NFL does. Yeah, and the and look, I I love that the NBA. You can go over the the officials, look at an iPad. Yeah. Go, did we get it right? Was his foot on the line? Was yeah. it not a line? Who who knocked the ball out of bounds? Yeah. Whatever it might be. Um, so that's a part of it. There. That's yeah. a part of it. It's not the full thing though. Mm-hmm. Um, the face-off procedure and line changes uh, for, you know, when you're on a power play, you get to pick what side of the ice to have the face-off on. That's fair. Same thing on an icing. Okay. So the team, if they're if they're really good on the right dot, yeah, then you know. Uh, you know, a guy like that's a really good face-off guy like yep. Bergeron. Yeah, you know, he, he's great when he's on the left dot because right. whatever. You know, no, that's good. Yeah. I w- I still kind of wish that in front of the bench they would have like a trapezoid for for the line changes. So mm-hmm. this way, if you've got a foot on there but you're trying to get onto the bench, you're not called for too many men because I think that would solve a lot of it. Yep, I agree. Um, and the interesting one here: the regular season tiebreakers. Um, the committee recommends. Adoption of a proposal that would modify the regular season tiebreaking procedures and adding criteria. Basically, the new rules would still require approval by the PA, but what they want to do is they want to make it not ROW is the first tiebreaker, but regulation wins as the first. You know what? How about end all this, end the shootout, and just go three on three for 10 minutes? You'll never have a game go. Nobody's ten... going to go beyond that. No, nobody's going beyond ten minutes in, in a three-on-three overtime. Yeah, and that would solve everything. We wouldn't even have to talk about this garbage. Yeah, they have this other. Goal. This is just too much. It's like fans. I, I, I want to be honest here too, right? Because we're all fans at heart, even though we cover the sport too. Fans don't want to have to do math to figure out, like with like a month and a half left in the season, what's going to happen to their team. Yeah, what slot am I really in here? You got to make a really simple, stupid slot. Yeah, yeah. You look at the standings and go, is my team in or is my team out? Right. You know, you don't want to have to go through all of these procedures yeah. to do it. Gets it complicated. It does. Um, and I don't want to write about it. <laughs> yeah, it's boring, frankly. Um, the story of the off season will be: is it the RFAs? I think it's no. I don't think it's the RFAs. I think it's the Toronto Maple Leafs because they were expecting more this year. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it. Babcock. There was a little time waited until they said, "Yeah, he's coming back next year." Uh, they they extended the AHL coach. Right. Mm-hmm. Keith got an extension. Yeah, Sheldon, Sheldon Keith. So they're sort of lining things up. Like, and now they have to trade Zaitsev, or maybe not. I mean, look. Travis Hamanick didn't get traded right away. He still took like a yeah. year and change. Um, We're going to lose Jake Gardner. 
Jake Gardner probably not coming back unless he crawls back really cheap. And he's also got a bad back, and we don't know the status of that. What does Marner cost? What does Marner cost? And what does he do with Kadri and or Nylander to get into that $10.5 range for Marner to be able to pay him? I think they're the biggest story. Yeah, there's so much that— there's it's a lot there, through, man. It's, it's going to be the hub, the hub once again. Yeah, it's crazy to think, but th- that's the case. And they they need D. They need D, or they're never they going to win in the they're playoffs. They're not going to nope. Um, any of the teams that give me like a team from each conference that made the playoffs this year that's not going to make it next year. Carolina, really goaltending. Well, I mean, if they're going to bring Vegas back agrees, those, mind you, yeah, if they're bringing back those same two goalies, which there's talk that they might, mm-hmm. Lightning's not striking twice, man. Yeah. Um, by the way, the odds came out. What about a uh, real quick Western Conference team that oh, got in that won't get in next year? I mean, you're, Colorado's a team that looks like it's on the come big no, time. No, no, Colorado will be um, good. You look at a team, Calgary's still, you know, even no, though they Calgary, got if, they, if they get goaltending right, which I think they will. Dallas? No, I still think Dallas is in, in, in pretty good shape right now. Yeah, Vegas is going to be there, you would presume. San Jose. I mean, they got some. Is Thornton coming back? Is Pavelski? What's the deal there? Uh, Eric Carlson's probably not going to be back. I'm going to say either. San Jose. You're going to go San Jose? Yeah, Very because I just think I think they're going to sign Pavelski. I don't know if Thornton's coming back. Jones does have to play better. Mm-hmm. Like there's there are some things there now that that are coming I think to Nashville's a, head. a candidate too. Yeah, not as much because even though I'm, I don't love Saros, he's proven to me now that he's better than I thought he was. So I'm going to give Saros the better better. Benefit of the doubt, and still there's one more year of Rene, right? Yeah. So so the transition year, yeah, if you will. Yeah. Um, so Vegas puts out the odds to win the Cup the day after the Cup is awarded. Of for course. Next year. And the top team is, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right. They're at 8-1. to one. Two teams at 9-1, to one, uh, the Boston Bruins and the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm surprised they're that high. Yeah, I wouldn't have them that high because I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury is the same Marc-Andre Fleury. I agree. Yep. And, and that's part of the problem there. And they got William Carlson to deal with. And yeah. They got some other things. As, yeah. As well. And I know they're expecting maybe trade Miller and do some other things. They got Stone. I think this is all based on them getting Stone. I and, do too. But it's not enough. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs at 10 to 1. The Avalanche and the Blues both at 12 to 1. Um, the Sharks and Capitals. Also the Jets at 16 to 1. Calgary at 18 to 1, along with the Penguins. The Jets, that is a team, believe it or not, that if they didn't make the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked. Because there's really? a lot of things going on there mm. that you're going to see some movement there with players. Yeah. Well, they have some interesting Tonks, decisions yeah. to make, and Line is a big wild card right now. We're not Even sure what Bufflin's he is. play has fallen off to the point mm-hmm. where at some point you got to do something with that. Um, the Panthers. I would honestly, I would try and get Florida interested in Bufflin and let him go play forward again. Play, play wing with Quenville. Yeah. Put him on the power play. Yep. Uh, the Panthers and the Flyers at 25 to 1. You surprised to see the Flyers that high? Uh, no, not with the Flyers and the Panthers until they have goaltending. Now, if the Panthers get goaltending, that they gets get half. They get Bob and they get Panarin. Yeah, that gets half. Yeah, that's going down to like 14 Oh, no, if they way. get both those guys, it could go down to like 8 or 10 to 1. Yeah. But even if they just get a really good goalie, it gets halved. All right, here's a couple of teams that were in the playoffs that are beyond the Flyers. It's Columbus at 28 to 1 along with Dallas and the Minnesota Wild. Actually, Minnesota Wild 33 along with the Coyotes, Hurricanes, and Blackhawks. This is uh, going to stun some people. First of all, the Montreal Canadiens are fifty to one. Yeah, I don't understand that. I would never put a team with Carey Price at fifty to one. No, you know what I mean. No, no. I mean, and, and you think it, and they can ride a goalie. I, I know what they're looking at, and they probably feel like their defense isn't good enough. Their scoring is not good enough. They had a good year this year. They yeah. did. 
Um, and I'm surprised. I mean, were you unhappy with the way they played this year? Um, they barely missed out, and I think right. they're going to be active this summer. Everybody thought team- they were like they're. I kept hearing their farm system's horrible. Yeah, they have. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the league, and they weren't. No, and they have tons of cap and they space. They played hard. They played they did. fast, they and they have a lot of cap space. Yeah, a they lot. got a good coach. And they have a good coach. Um, the Devils and the Rangers, both at 66-1. to one. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Second lowest odds. Yeah, I get that. That's Hughes and Kako. Now, again, if the Rangers get Panarin, and for some reason if they got Carlson, and they made like another trade to get rid of Shattenkirk, that number gets halved. Okay. And the Ottawa Senators at 100. The Devils stay right where they are. There's almost nothing the Devils can do this offseason to change that number. Matter of fact, it could get worse because if they don't bring in the right personnel— Taylor Hall's leaving. Yeah, and that's not a good thing. No. And number one overall pick, and he may still want to leave. Ooh, that does not look good for their fan base. Yeah. All right, Russ, that's going to do it. You're All going right. to the draft. When are you leaving? Wednesday. I'm going to do a little sightseeing in Seattle. and then uh, Driving up to Vancouver? No, I'm going to take a bus. Oh. Yeah. You're going to bus it. Yeah, we're going to bus it. It's easy. That's why I don't have to worry about driving, leave the driving to somebody else. I've done that drive. It's a nice drive. Yeah. So good luck at the draft. Thank have you. a good time up in Vancouver. There'll be a lot to talk about when you get back. Oh, yeah. And I know that uh, you're a big draft guy and a big prospect guy. Yeah, I know you've wrapped up your show with uh, Shane on uh, Sirius I have XM. 14, 14 years. years. Yeah, yeah. But it's other a good guys, run, right? Yeah, it's a good run. JD Burke and Brad Allen are taking over. They're good guys. But yeah, it was a good run. I'll do other stuff like this show, and maybe mm-hmm. I'll even add another show into what I do. And I'll do more writing. I'm I'm writing for more websites yep. now, so it's fine. Good stuff. Uh, check them out. Sportsology.com at Sportsology on Twitter. It is the off season officially, people. The countdown to the 2019. 2020 season is underway. Only about three and a half months. Are you going to set a clock for that? Till they, I already have. Uh, no, it's funny. <laughs> you know, it's actually funny. So I'll show you this as we're taping here today. I have the countdown. I clock, knew you would. And I, and of course, I have right in here just for you to see that the Flyers' 2019 season opener <laughs> is on October 4th. It's in the Czech Republic, I believe. Yeah. 113 days, four hours, and four minutes to seven wow. o'clock. That now night. I have a. Morbid curiosity of a question for you. Do you have a countdown clock for your eventual demise? Because you have a countdown clock for everything. I do, but I do not have one for my demise because it's to be determined. Okay. It could come sooner rather than later. <laughs> these men's league games. <laughs> a couple of these guys that have been showing up keep but showing up. But you got, up. New, you got new, new pads? You got yeah. a new glove? Yeah, I got to thank everybody at CCM. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. And uh, the E-Flex pads. And I uh, got the Curtis McElhaney blocker and glove. Yeah, yeah. The old awesome. man blocker. The old 580 break. Yeah. So, uh, it's going to be a fun offseason. We're going to get all kinds of crazy stuff. But uh, draft coming up. Everybody, enjoy your uh, beginning of the offseason. Thanks for listening. We'll be with you next time on the Stick to Hockey podcast.